Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. So let's get into the Word. Hopefully I'll be able to make it in time. We're doing the second part of, of our series that we started last week. Philip was sharing with us about the pursuit of Jesus and setting Jesus as the first and the last person in our, in our lives, right? The priority of Jesus Christ and searching and seeking to give him that rightful place. And it is so important that you make that decision. Many of us think that we are like a boat on the water, just floating around, having no decision to make, and God is the one that's supposed to do everything and act upon us. It does not work like that. The Bible says that God is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he decided to make himself, to limit his sovereignty. During the, disp the dispensation that he's given mankind on the earth. So that means that God many times wants to do more in your life, but he needs your cooperation. And you know, the devil operates in the same way. The devil can't just come in and do whatever. He needs somebody through whom he can operate. This is why demons take possession of people. Do you understand? And so once you realize that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, once you realize that you've given your life to Christ, it is now the power and the, and the ability of God that can be worked through your life if you make room for Jesus. And that was what the first one was about, making that room, giving Christ that priority. Today we're speaking about the, the priceless pursuit and the pursuit of the one. We're speaking about how God cares about that one individual. And many times we have this view that if Jesus had to come to the earth to die for the world, they needed to be like a critical mass to justify the sacrifice. Meaning at least a million, at least a million people on earth in order to justify Jesus coming, right? But he would have come if there was just one person. Just one. And if that one person was just you, because some of us have this view, yeah, but if it was me, <laughs> they would have negotiated that deal. No. Jesus Christ died for you individually. But the problem is this. Although the Son of God gave his life and sacrificed himself for the whole world, many have not even heard about it. And those who have not heard about it cannot participate in it. Many have not heard about it, and those who have not heard about it cannot participate in it, even though the penalty, the payment has been made. And this is why evangelism should be one of our strongest values. For us as a church, evangelism is one of our values. That means we are involved in leading people into the kingdom of God as our greatest honor and priority. And so this, this evening... <laughs> As we share from the Word of God, I hope that there will be an impartation of the anointing for evangelism. And when you begin to speak to friends and family about Christ, they'll begin to feel something is different in the atmosphere. Yeah? That you will not go empty-handed with just words, but that you will be backed up by the Holy Spirit in power because of the conviction that you have that you are sent by God. Amen. All right, and so this morning, this evening, my goodness. Where did I put it? And just some technology to help us preach the gospel. Hey. This is the question. Can man live without God? 
and it's a philosophical question, and many people claim that yes, we can. We can live without God. I was reading an article this afternoon, someone saying five reasons why you shouldn't believe in God, right? One of them being that it's illogical, one of them being that we don't need God, and all of that stuff. But if you, exp if you, if you take that concept and you extrapolate it across the globe, what you will see is death reigning. Death reigning. Now, there's a philosopher called Friedrich Nietzsche. Nietzsche coined the term saying that God is dead. And many others said, and this was his own conclusion, that if God is dead, then the next century will be the bloodiest century in, in history. And that is exactly what happened. Most of the time, we ignore the fact that if we say no to God, we are saying no to life and saying yes to death. It is not saying yes to freedom when we say no to God. When we say no to God, we're actually saying yes to bondage. But many people don't know that because they live by their senses. They are complete, completely oblivious of an unseen realm. The world that we see now is a manifestation that comes from the unseen world. And to the extent that you understand this, you will always live as a victim. But when you realize that there is a spiritual realm behind the one that we know and see, and you begin to operate and live from that realm, you begin to dominate the natural and the physical realm. This is the place where God wanted to place us. And the question is, what is the value of a soul? We spoke already about the fact that Jesus Christ would have sacrificed himself for one person. And many times in church, we're encouraging people, be that believer that sets people in your sight and says that if somebody doesn't know Christ, it is my personal mission. It is my personal mission to be engaged in their salvation. If I've got a brother or a sister or a cousin or a friend or an enemy or, or a colleague at work and they don't know Christ, it is my personal mission to employ whatever resources I may have at my disposal to come and, and, and see that they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we said this morning in the service that many of us will not preach the gospel because it's too inconvenient. Who wants to go to the hospital on a Saturday afternoon? Be there, being rejected by some people, people giving attitude. I'm here spending my time to come and pray for you. And then you say, sir, don't touch me and all of that. And I'm here for you. Who wants to go through that? But many of us would do it for money. Hmm. If the church ran out a program over the next four months, right, that for every soul that you bring into the kingdom, we'll give you a, a 500 to 1,000 Namibian dollars. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, people will be at the office. You know, I brought this brother, you know, I have to go to work. This is just before 8 o'clock. I have to go to work, but just take care of him, his details. Just give your details, eh? like we discussed. I'll be back. Even those who say, no, I'm an introvert. I don't have the personality of anyone. All that story goes out the window. I need to make paper. <laughs> and the Bible says, the Bible says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. How is it that all your, all your complaints, all your excuses go out the window when money is in question? Check your heart. 
we are seeking the lost for a motive greater than money. And many of us employ ourselves in a career as if it will take us to heaven. And I'm saying, obviously, be diligent in your careers. We don't a year. I go to every nation and I'm lazy at work. We will deal with you. <laughs> yeah? It is important. He who does not work must not eat. Yeah? And if you don't have a job, find work. Keep yourself gainfully engaged. Don't just sit at home watching FIFA. FIFA is soccer. Or whatever it is, rugby. So this is what the Bible says, Mark 8 verse 36. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his very soul? This was a parable that Jesus is telling about a certain man who was rich and wealthy. And after he retired and had so much wealth, he said, my soul, you have amassed so much wealth. I will now build more barns so that I can store my wealth into them and enjoy my life. And then the Bible says that night, that night, his soul was required of him. And you think tomorrow you are going to work. The book of James says, well, don't say presumptuously, next week we will go on a trip to South America and we are planning and all of that. I need to go for my visa application and all of that, not knowing that next week might not come. They say don't live in the past because it's past. Don't live in the future because it's not promised, but live in the present because it is a gift. That's why it is called the present. Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. All right? It comes from that movie. But it's so true. It is so true. Live in the present. It is a gift. It is a gift to you. And most times, we preach at church as if Christianity is most expedient for those who die. Almost as if, if you're not going to die tomorrow, you don't need Jesus. So your friend will say, come to me when I'm on the deathbed. I want to first enjoy my life, and then when I'm 95, come to me, then I'll take your fire insurance policy so that I can make it into heaven. But eternal life is not about making it into heaven. This is the misconception that many Christians and non-Christians have, that Christianity is just for you to gain access into an extended life. It's not about that. Christianity is about obtaining eternal life now. Now. It says, beloved, now are we the sons of God. It is not a matter of when Jesus comes back or when the earth ends that we begin our eternal life. Eternal life begins now. So therefore, it is not just for those who are at funerals. Most of the time, it's a great opportunity at funerals to make people realize, my brother, are you right with God? Right here is somebody that you never know, right? And as pastors, we have to preach at weddings and at funerals. Funerals are the worst. Especially if that brother is definitely going to hell. And you don't want to say that to the family. Amen. <laughs> and so, you tell them the truth because those are the facts. But Christianity is not just for the afterlife, it is for this life. Why is it that we can pray for the sick and see them healed? Because of Christ 
being available to us today? Why is it that we can pray for the workplace, things that are happening in our life today? If it was only for the afterlife, it would not be relevant. And therefore, we must not preach to people Christianity and Jesus Christ only so that one day they'll go to heaven. Of course, that is one of the essentials. But before that, you can live a life with Christ that is completely above the devil and his oppression. Amen? And I believe tonight there are people here, you are shifting that in your life. You begin to see more and more the devil being put where he belongs. No more fear, no more depression, no more oppression, no more weakness, no more, no more all that kind of um, uh, attack from the enemy. Amen. Alright, so let's read here 1 John 5 verse 11. Let's read together. 1, 2, go. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son, he who does not have the Son, does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know eternal life. Many times you ask people, do you have eternal life? And they tell you, I'm not sure. Why? If you have Christ, then you have life. And the question is, do you have Christ or do you have church? Because in Namibia, the statistic is that 90% of people, if you do the census, 90% of people associate themselves with the Christian religion. Right? But most of the time, they are not saved. Why? Because salvation is not a matter of ticking in the box and saying, I'm a Christian and voting for Jesus. No. Salvation is a matter of being born into the kingdom of God. And we'll get to the scripture about that. And so the Bible speaks about three elements where people are, have lost things. The first one is a shepherd that has 100 sheep. He loses 99. And the Bible says that he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And you, if you ask a shepherd in Israel, do they do this? They say no. <laughs> if your sheep is there in the dark, it is now sunset. You have to leave the 99 sheep. Wolves are coming around and go after the one. That is not eco economically viable, Daniel. So you just go back with the 99 and say something happened, but at least the 99 are safe. But this is not how God does it. He will leave you guys that have made it to church and go after the one that didn't come and seek and save after the one that is lost. The Bible speaks about the lost coin. It's a woman that has coins and she loses one. And it says that she will turn the whole house around, clean up the whole house, do a whole spring cleaning to find that one coin. And after she finds the one coin, she invites all her friends and family and says, celebrate with me because the coin that I lost has been found. Who of you does that, ladies? Nobody. One, you will not do a spring cleaning because you lost a coin. Two, you will not invite all your friends to celebrate finding a coin. But the Bible says the heavens and the angels rejoice when even one sinner comes to Christ. The question is, do we share that passion? Ask your neighbor, do you care? Do you care? The last one is about the lost son. This rich man had two sons. The younger one told his father, I can't wait for you to die. Give me my inheritance. And the father 
contrary to popular belief of how God is, gave him the inheritance. Most people will say, no, God will not give them. He gave him the inheritance. He went, took that money into the city. The Bible says that he spent it on, on wild living, riotous living, on prostitutes and friends. And then when the money ran out, he had to find a place to work. It was during a time of famine. And what happened is the only job that he could find as a Jewish boy was taking care of pigs. That's the dumps of the dumps. And then what happened is he got so hungry because his, his, his contract didn't include a, 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 a meal allowance. So therefore, he started eat, eating of the food of the pigs. This is the picture of somebody that is not acquainted with God. He's an orphan spiritually. And if you understand demons, those are targets for destruction. And so what happens is the boy realizes within himself, hey, I messed up. I'm going to go back to my father's house. And what I'll do is I'll tell my father, look, let me be an employee. Because the employees at least have food allowance. Even the employees live better. He went back to his father. And the Bible says that as his father saw him far, the father didn't say, prepare the whipping post. The father said, my son who was lost has come back. And he rushed to him. This is the picture of how God responds to those who come through Christ. And then it says, he begins to bless him. Contrary to those who believe that God doesn't bless. No, blessing is prosperity, what, 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 what. Nonsense. God is a blessing God. It is in his nature. The Bible says, if he gave his son, what is all these other things? If he gave you his son, why will he withhold all these other things? Understand that. And so he, he puts a robe, a new robe on his son, puts new shoes on his son, and then puts a new signet ring on his son. Meaning he gives them access to the, uh, to the family account. The one that he squandered. Why? Because the father is trying to affirm the son and transform his heart by the love of Christ. By the love of the father. It says it is... Don't you know that it is the kindness of God that leads men to repentance? It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And you might say, no, but I don't have sheep. I don't have a coin. I don't have, I don't have a son. Maybe the analogy that will work for you is if you lost your phone. How would you live if you lost your phone for two weeks? Yeah. Some of you would break out in an allergy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is the condition that many people have, right? And this is the way that we should feel concerning those who are lost. We should make our full effort. And then at the end, when someone comes to Christ, we should celebrate. We should celebrate. Let's read here together Ephesians 2 verse 12. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. Without hope and without God in this world. The man who does not have God in his life is without hope. And many people want to persuade themselves that no, nothing happens after you die. Medical science has proven that there is activities that are happening beyond the grave. Why is that? Because they do CPR all the time. And some might, might speculate and say, no, CPR is like 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so there are many people that might say, no, that is just the brain trying to calibrate nonsense. There is something called a soul that is inside of you. How many of you, you would sell your eyes for a million dollars? Two million? Three? Jay? Three million. <laughs> Three million. Right? Why is there that speculation? One million is enough for nine. It is because you value the engagement that you have with the world through your eyes. But you don't see with your eyes. You see through your eyes. And the you is in there, in that box called your body. And so there is a valuable soul inside that says, I don't want to die. There is something in your heart that says, I want to live forever. God place eternity inside of your heart. So these are the questions that you must ask because many people say that they're Christians in Namibia especially. And so when you're speaking to your friend, your family, your colleagues, they're going to say, I'm, I'm already a Christian. I already know. I, uh, yes, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. They'll answer all your questions. Yes. And you'll think that they are right with God. This is the question. Who is God and who is Jesus? Keep these questions in mind. Which God? When you ask them, do you believe in God? They say yes. You ask them, which God? If you ask them, do you believe in Jesus? They say yes. You must ask them, which Jesus? Okay? Next one, how do you get right with this God? That's the question that you must ask. Number three, what is the source of their revelation? Meaning, how do you find out about this God? Because many religions, you, they, they just come up with it. You wake up in the morning and God, it just comes from wherever. It's not historically based. Amen? And so I want to go through a couple of the worldviews so that you understand when you're addressing people, this, these are the views that they have. The atheist is a person who believes or who disbelieves or lacks belief in the existence of God or gods. This one is the most indefensible. Why? Because in order for you, say, for you to say that something does not exist, you have to go through the whole universe and look everywhere. And then with full knowledge, you can say, yeah, I, found, I looked for God all over the universe and I didn't find him. So you can't be an atheist. It's illogical. So the next position is to be an agnostic. An agnostic is a person who believes that nothing is known or can be known of the existence or nature of God. Generally speaking, they are a skeptic. Okay? Basically, they'll say, no, but... Every experience that people have is subjective. Give me evidence that God is there and it's not possible to have evidence of God and all of that. They don't know that Jesus was on earth 2,000 years ago. As proof, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen God. Then you have your false religions. The first one is Islam. Why is this relevant? We have an Islamic center just down the road here at the old Louis Bota where you bought the fish and chips. Islamic center. You know how many people are joining the Islamic religion, especially the Oshuambo-speaking people. You have a guy whose name was Petrus, and now his name is Abubakar Salim, <laughs> right? Or Muhammad Ali, or whatever. What is the Islamic religion? Islam believes that there is one God. Which God is it? Which God is it? It's the God of Abraham. But which son is the lineage of blessing? Is it Isaac or is it Ishmael? It's Ishmael. This is what they believe. And then, what do they believe about Jesus? 
is a prophet. They believe in the prophet Isa. They believe he's a true prophet, but he's not the final prophet Muhammad. Okay? So they believe in the prophet Isa. Then they don't, they don't believe that Jesus was crucified. Okay? And so they, they don't believe in the resurrection. They also don't believe that Jesus is the son of God because God cannot have a son. It's blasphemy to them. Same with the Jew. God cannot have a son because in order for him to have a son, he must have a wife. And you know how women are in Islam. Okay? So therefore, when you're dealing with people like this, what is the issue with their view? Their worldview is that how do you get eternal life? You must try and do good and try and see if your good will outweigh your bad. It is something that is based on the whims of God. Maybe perhaps on the day that you meet God, he will be in a good mood and he will give you access to paradise. Unless if you commit jihad, then you holy war. Then maybe you can go straight into paradise with a harem of virgins. Why are there these elements in the religion? Because it was started by a man who had many wives, one of them being underaged. So many people join religion not even knowing what is the teaching. Then there's Buddhism. Gautama Buddha. And Buddhism is almost like an atheistic view, right? Because there's not necessarily a personal God. But there is this transcendence into nirvana, what they call nirvana, where you lose all sense of desire, okay? And suffering is undone like that. I remember watching a documentary of a woman who went to become a Buddhist monk, and you are not allowed to actually have desire for anything as you go higher, and she had two children. And the guy asked her one question, do you miss your children? And she started crying. Why? Because God designed us for relationship. This thing takes you away from it. Makes it all impersonal and there's the eightfold path into that enlightenment. Then you find Hinduism. Hinduism have a multiplicity of gods. About 300 million gods that you have to appease. So what you do when you go to India and you preach to them, Christ Jesus is the Lord. God has come and he has sent his son and you must receive this God. And God is, uh, uh, and you preach to them. Then they'll say, yes, who wants to receive this God? Everyone comes, everyone comes. Why? Because they must make sure that all the gods are appeased. So they just add Jesus to the list of gods that need to be appeased. How many of you, you heard this word karma? Yeah, it's just the karma. You know, you have these YouTube videos of things turning around. It's karma. Karma means that the things that you do bad or good in this life will, in your reincarnated life, cause you to come back either as a higher life form or a lower life form. So we in the West are even using it wrongly. It doesn't happen today. Uh, someone push you here, you get stepped here. Karma. Mm -mm. Karma happens once you die. Okay? Why must you know this? Guys, the worldviews are coming in. We're going to get to new age now. Okay? Then have you heard of yoga? Yeah? With the chakras. Just open your chakras, you know, and the energies and the crystals. Have you heard of that? That is Hinduism. 
and the West people are taking it in. They are saying, no, I'm not into religion. And they are eating it from the other side. Why? Because in spiritual things, it abhors a vacuum. There cannot be an emptiness where there is no God. The other gods will come in, lining up immediately through that gap, immediately. Throw away your Christianity, take in your Islam. Look at Europe. And then you find the new age. New age is like buffet. Oprah. Oprah is not a Christian. She's a new age. Okay? Why? She believes that there are all roads lead to heaven. So what do you do? You come to the buffet, you take yourself a little bit of T.D. Jakes, a little bit of Christianity, and you take yourself a little bit of Buddhism, and you take yourself a little bit of Hinduism, and you take yourself a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and ah, no, this one is a bit cold. And then you take this and that, Krishna and one, and you mix and match it, and ultimately you get to a place where you realize that you are actually God. And all the other religions is just your way of expressing your spirituality. Are you learning something? This is relevant because you'll speak to people everywhere who have these beliefs. Then, my favorite, African traditional religion. How does it work? African traditional religion is animistic. It means that it is based on the, the, the spirit realm but it is based on nature. And so what happens is, at the, height, at the height of the African traditional religion, you've got what they call the God, the creator. Okay? But he is too far and too holy for us to reach. So how do you access him? Through your ancestors, those who have gone before us. So your ancestors die, and then the ancestors get a certain place in the realm of the spirit where they can intercede for you with God and cause blessings and curses to come down your line. Do you understand? And so what you must do is you must make decisions to please the ancestors or there will be repercussions. Do you understand? The Herreros have this thing with the holy fire. It is an altar where the ancestors get channeled. I've heard, I haven't seen it myself, but I've heard that at that holy fire, someone will speak and say, Grandfather, we have come to bring your daughter here. And then they'll listen. And the ancestor will speak. And you will be interacting with the dead. Now, what does the Bible say? The Bible says between the living and the dead, there is a separation that cannot be crossed. Anything that you are engaging in the realm of a spirit that is familiar to you is called a familiar spirit. It is a demon that is masquerading with the information of the family and is looking for access to get into that family. If you haven't heard it anywhere, you'll hear it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So many people, this is the issue. They're mixing it. It's called syncretism. I'm a Christian. Yes. And you ask them, which God do you believe in? Which Jesus do you believe in? And then you ask them about the ancestors, if they're, especially if they're African. Why? Jesus requires us to forsake all of that in coming to Christ. We're running out of time. I'm just going to run through the cults quickly. Seventh-day Adventists. They are a cult. A cult is like a... a a corruption of the real Christianity. Okay? Seventh-day Adventists, they believe that the Sabbath is the holy day, right? 
you must have Sunday on the seventh day, right? And then they also believe in another Jesus. And I've looked through their documentation lately. It seems like there's been an amendment made, right? But actually, they used to believe that Jesus is an angel. Same with the Jehovah's Witnesses. This is why you must ask. You would tell them, do you believe in Jesus, my brother? They say, yes. You must ask them, which Jesus? The Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that Jesus is Michael, the archangel. The brother of Lucifer. And the book of Hebrews says that to which angel did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Now sit at my right hand until I make your enemies as footstool. And so Jesus is not an angel, but these portray it. <laughs> they portray it to be Christian. There are people who are signing up for this. Moments. The church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. Which Jesus Christ? The one who is also Michael the Archangel. These three, they hail from the same sprout. The moments, what happened in, in America is that the man was in the bushes and an angel called Moroni. The name of the angel should already give you an indication. The angel called Moroni <laughs> gave him special glasses to read a gold plate. And he said this is the fresh revelation about the church that the church lost. And they are in Namibia. You will find them walking two by two wearing white shirts with a plaque called Elder. Young guys. Elder. And what they will tell you is they will never tell you that Jesus is an angel in the beginning until you are in. Lord. <laughs> Let's continue. Until you are in. Right? And so, what is the devil doing here? He knows that there is only one way to God. Only one way. The Bible says that you must be born again. Why? This thing of the spirit is not something that you enter through membership or through mental ascent. You must be born into it. The Bible says here, you must be born of water, which is a human birth, and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Don't be surprised that you must be born again. So Jesus speaking to a teacher of the Lord started telling him, look, you need to be born again. It is not a question of what you know. How do you become part of a royal family? You must be born into a royal family. Is that clear? We don't have time to go through all these scriptures, but in the connect group, we'll touch them. This is another one, James 2 verse 19. You believe that God is one, meaning you believe that God exists. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. You ask someone, do you believe in, in God? They say yes. They are at the demonic level now. If you're an atheist, you are even below the demonic level. Even the demons believe and they shudder because they know that there is a God in heaven. Amen? And so in closing, this is the issue. When the prodigal son was coming home and the father was waiting for him, this is the problem. He was coming home alone. While he was at the pigsty over there, over there, at the pigsty. Go and get him. His friend should have gone to him and said, Hey, why are you here? Come on, man, your father loves you. And brought him all the way home. When the father was rushing to them, he should have done this. 
right? <laughs> Thank you, fellow. <laughs> you should have done that. Why? Because it is our mission. It is our mission. If you really believe that you are saved, then it should be a burden for those who are not. If you have no burden for the lost, check yourself as to whether you yourself know and tasted and seen what is good. You have no issue testifying about something that is good when you yourself have experienced it. How many of you have been preaching the gospel about iPhone and, 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 and Android all the time? Based on your experience. We don't have to drum up humdrum people to get involved in the mission of Christ. I'm telling you, this will only get worse. The multi we are in a generation where words are me changing their meaning. It's postmodernism. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. Men are women. Women are men. And things are just changing right now. And you must understand that if anyone is going to bring truth and light to your family and friends, it is going to be you. It is going to be you. And so tonight, before we close, I want to ask two groups of people. One, you're here tonight. You, you've been going to church a long time. But you've never made Jesus your Lord and your Savior. We didn't manage to get to Romans 10. It says, this is how you get saved. You must make a public declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then you must believe in your heart, not that he died for your sins, but that God raised him from the dead. Because with the heart you believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not just about sitting in the church until it makes you a Christian. It doesn't work like that. You have to take action. It is like getting married in front of everyone. You come on the day, and you actually make pronouncements, and you make your vows, and you exchange the rings. That is how you enter into a relationship with God. And I want to ask if you are here tonight... And God is speaking to you tonight, all these ideas that are going around, asking you, are you born again? Are you born again? Do you know Jesus personally? Can you say without a shadow of the doubt, if you die tonight, that you are going straight into eternal life with God? And then there are some of you here, you've made that decision a long time ago, maybe 1990 when it was independence, and it's been 29 years, <laughs> and you haven't been living the life that God has called you for. And tonight we want to give you an opportunity to set things right with God. Amen. So if that's you, just raise your hand if you're here. We want to pray with you tonight. Is there anybody like that? Is there anybody like that tonight? Don't waste time. The Bible says, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So we'll be here. If you need to come and talk to us, come talk to us. But make, make, make sure, make your life right with God. Amen. And now that we're over, there's a song that we always sing so nicely. We can't sing the whole thing, but if you know it, I don't know if you guys can put up the words for us. Daniel, I don't know if you know that. That's a, let me be filled kindness and compassion for the one. And this song speaks about how God wants to fill your heart with love so that he may be the one that operates through you. Whoever you see, you can come up and sing with us.
come, come. And I want, as we sing this song very briefly, you know, let's really have our hearts open. Let's have our hearts open and let God speak to us. You can remain seated. Think of those that are not here tonight, that need Jesus, that haven't heard the gospel. Listen to nations who are worshipping stones and worshipping sticks and worshipping false gods. And let, let's get a burden for this. Amen. Be filled with kindness and compassion for the world. For humanity, increase my love. Help me to love. Help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lies and sees the truth. Oh, that when they
Father, I prophesy in the name of Jesus, everyone that is here tonight, Lord, an impartation of your love like never before, impartation of your love over the lost, Lord, yeah, a compassion like never before, Lord, yeah. I thank you, Lord, that they'll be grieved, they'll be praying, Lord, God, for those who don't know you, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for their sake, they'll live a life that declares that Jesus is Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, that tonight as we leave here, Father God, that people in our hearts that don't know you will receive our call, will receive our messages, will receive our, our coffee meetings, will receive our blessing, Father God, because we know that you want to use us as your hands and your feet to pursue the one. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.